Hello everyone, Ralph here with Baptist Voice. This is a sort of combined edition for March and April since most of our organisations are in limbo at the moment, waiting for the starting gun to go off so that we can get back into full swing. We open as always though with a rousing hymn. The King of Love is my delight with Stuart Town and especially released for copyright during the pandemic. Grace, I won't let the walls 
Osiris to have in me. Lord, you know that you are welcome here. For such love, for such grace, I won't let the walls come down. As I said, this is a combined offering since we have been locked out of our studio, but there is a glimmer of light at the end of the tunnel. More of that as we progress. We can, however, bring you a roundup of news from the Baptist Times. Here's Andrea. Increased reading of the Bible during the pandemic is leading to Christians feeling hope in God and a sense of confidence in the future, despite what's happening around them. The findings come in a survey for Bible Society, carried out by Christian Research. The survey found that reading the Bible was making a big difference to how Christians felt. 42% reported that it led to an increased sense of hope in God during the crisis, rising to nearly half, 49%, among 45 to 54-year-olds. Some 28% said that reading the Bible had increased their confidence in the future, while 63% said that it had enabled their confidence to remain the same rather than dipping. It's encouraging to see that the Bible is giving people hope and confidence, said Dr. Andrew Ollerton, author of the Bible course. 
The Bible has the ability to stand over our circumstances as something solid, a reference point in uncertain times. It's like having felt all at sea and then having a rock to stand on. Naomi Campbell, a mother of two from Jersey, who has been shielding throughout the pandemic due to health issues, said, The verse that has meant a lot to me in all of this is Isaiah chapter 61, verse 3. You have given me a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. My life has had lots of challenges, but all the way along, God has given us the opportunity to see his goodness, his creativity in our lives. Are you interested in writing a history of your church, but not sure where to go or where to find the material indeed, or what to include in the written story? Are you doing research in your family history and you've discovered names of some of your Baptist ancestors and would like to know more about them? Friends of the Angus Library, FOTA, are sponsoring a special series of online seminars that may be of interest to you. The series concluded on the 11th of March by tracing the ancestors of Emily Burgoyne of Oxford, whose family were missionaries in China. For further details and to reserve a place, contact Friends of the Angus at FOTA at regents.ox.ac.uk using the subject line Opening the Angus. There's no charge for the seminars, though any donation to FOTA to support the digitisation and conservation programme of materials in the Angus Library will be very much appreciated. The webpage www.ukhk.org forward slash church is part of a coordinated response to the estimated 130,000 people expected to migrate to the UK from Hong Kong this year. It enables churches to sign up to be a Hong Kong-ready church, which means committing as a church to welcoming Christians from Hong Kong who are looking for a congregation to join, and offering to help new arrivals who need help settling in by training up members of the church to be welcomers. Dr Krish Kandaya is founder and director of UKHK, launched the website on Friday the 12th of February alongside Dame Sarah Mullally, the Bishop of London, at St Martin in the Fields in London. He said, Moving continents is difficult at the best of times, but it is particularly challenging during a global pandemic. That's why we want to welcome the new arrivals here today in the centre of London, conjuring the spirit of the 2012 Olympics, and show off the best of Great Britain. More than 560 churches have applied to become Hong Kong-ready churches. In normal times, we would have liked to put on special events like concerts, dances, poetry recitals, film screenings, park football matches, picnics and supper clubs. But as it is, we'll have to make do with Zoom calls and virtual bonding for now. Christians Against Poverty CAP founder John Kirkby has announced he will be stepping back from his role 25 years after he founded the organisation. The debt relief charity which John founded in 1996 has seen more than 21,000 individuals go debt free in the past 11 years and is now established in the UK, Australia, USA and Canada. Many thousands of people struggling with unmanageable debt have also been supported through CAP debt centres. 
CAP Money Course, CAP Job Clubs and CAB Life Skills Groups. Speaking on the impact of the last 25 years, John said, Whilst I'm leaving my role at CAP UK, I will always be the charity's founder. And my heart to see CAP grow and play its part in seeing God's kingdom advance will never leave. Archbishop Justin Welby, who is the patron of Christians Against Poverty, commented, John's religious conviction and passion in financial justice has been the driving force for an organisation which has grown exponentially since its inception and helped thousands of people free themselves from the prison of debt. He added, I would like to offer my prayers and warmest wishes to John as he steps down from his duties with Christians Against Poverty, which he founded 25 years ago this year. I hold both John and Lizzie in my prayers as they embark on their next calling, and I remain honoured to be part of the organisation. John will officially leave his role at the end of June, and it is expected both he and his wife Lizzie plan to take a sabbatical over the summer as they discern what they might do next. Facilitated by Girls' Brigade Ministries, the Esther Collective podcast was launched on the 15th of February 2021, with a new episode due fortnightly on Spotify, iTunes and other platforms. The Esther Collective podcast is divided into separate mini-series of four episodes, under 30 minutes in duration. The first mini-series is focused on issues around our bodies and self-acceptance, a relevant topic since recent magazine articles in Glamour and Vogue reveal that women's body anxieties has increased because of the increase of video calling during the pandemic. GB Ministries Mission and Advocacy Enabler Dr Claire Rush said, We're bombarded every day with images of the perfect body. The diet culture surrounding us also tells us of thousands of different ways we can achieve this for ourselves. Do you feel pressure from people around you to eat a certain way? How do we try to look after our bodies and stay healthy? The team discuss these questions with honesty and hope, as well as sharing their own wisdom about how they're learning to feel good about their bodies and celebrate their achievements. The second mini-series will explore wholehearted living and topics including identity, values, belonging and vulnerability. Fast-paced, down-to-earth and funny, the Esther Collective podcast brings a bold, intelligent and fresh take on the issues facing young women of faith today. The initial podcast team members are 18 to 30s Christian women from different backgrounds. Hannah, 26, is a mum and drama teacher from Derbyshire. Jessie, 24, is a mental health nurse from York. And Charlotte, 29, is training to be a Baptist minister. You can find out more about the podcast at girlsbrigadeministries.org.uk forward slash our hyphen activities forward slash the hyphen Esther hyphen collective. A church campaign to tackle vaccine misinformation has been launched. The Give Hope campaign encourages Christians to facilitate clear and kind conversations with some who may be reticent about taking the vaccine. 
cross-denominational leaders of the Christian faith have joined forces with the NHS to launch a campaign aimed at encouraging a more balanced conversation around the COVID-19 vaccine. The Give Hope campaign aims to tackle much of the misinformation that has caused distrust, particularly in black majority communities and churches. It encourages Christians to engage with vaccine discussions and for them to start a conversation with their neighbours and communities. The campaign has been organised by Your Neighbour, a UK-wide church response to COVID-19. It is backed by Baptist Union President Yinka Uyekan, who appears in a short video introducing the campaign alongside Stephen Cottrell, the Archbishop of York. Pastor Aguiruku, a redeemed Christian Church of God, Rose Hudson Wilkin, the Bishop of Dover, and other senior church leaders. It is hoped that the initiative will encourage church leaders, particularly within the black community, to have the conversation with their congregations and in their communities to dispel fake news, allay fears, and come together to give hope and hasten the end of COVID-19. The Chief Executive of NHS England, Simon Stevens, has described genuine and deep concern that uptake of COVID-19 vaccines may be lower among minority ethnic groups. A recent poll of 2,000 UK adults by the Royal Society for Public Health found that three quarters of people overall would be willing to have a COVID vaccination, but this fell to 57% of the respondents from minority ethnic backgrounds. In a video, Yinko Yekan says, While our churches may look different, there's one thing we all agree upon. We have to do everything in our power to give hope and stop COVID. His words are immediately followed by Stephen Cottrell, Archbishop of York, stating, One thing we can all do is ensure that we take the vaccine when we are offered it. This is one of the best and fastest routes out of this terrible pandemic. Churches can access a range of resources to help them engage their communities in the conversation at www.yourneighbour.org. As always at this time, we take a roundup of events from our regional offices with Colin. He starts with news of an event we could well do without. Raising awareness of the slavery practices that still take place today, including in the UK, is the focus of a gruelling bike ride later this year. Simon John, a 75-year-old retired lawyer from Norfolk, will cycle from Land's End to John O'Groats from the 27th of April. The ride is in homage to abolitionist Thomas Clarkson, who 200 years ago rode on horseback to towns up and down and across the UK to raise awareness of the suffering that was taking place due to the transatlantic slave trade. Simon believes that many people still do not understand the pervasive nature of modern slavery and what citizens can do to stop it. He will therefore deliver talks to schools, faith and community groups within villages, towns and cities that he passes on his journey. I feel great outrage and sadness that millions upon millions of my brothers and sisters around the world are being held in abject misery, Simon said. It's done so that I may enjoy slightly cheaper clothes, food, electronics and so on. I speak of course of human trafficking and modern slavery. Simon is fundraising for Anti-Slavery International, 
for whom he first cycled in 2018, when he completed the Prudential 100 Ride London. In the course of his advocacy, Simon has connected with Dan Pratt, who founded and leads Together Free, the Baptist movement seeking work with local churches to end modern slavery and human trafficking. Given uncertain restrictions over COVID-19, Simon will give presentations virtually via Zoom or similar from a campervan he's acquired as a base and support vehicle. The presentations take 30 to 40 minutes. Simon's ride will take him to Bristol, Worcester Cathedral, Birmingham's Volunteer Expo, the International Slavery Museum in Liverpool, Manchester, Cumbria, Glasgow, Edinburgh, Inverness and onwards. To arrange a presentation, contact Simon via John underscore Simong at hotmail.com A new ministry has emerged at the Filipino International Church, which is equipping its members and enabling them to serve in a new way. The Filipino Church is part of the Northern Baptist Association. The church itself was funded in 2013. This new ministry was established on the 17th of January, the presiding ministry. The presiding ministry aims to provide trained presiders who will lead the church in services either online or live worship and to host major church activities and events. Perhaps such a ministry is not very common to other Baptist churches, but through time the church had the urge and need to develop people with skills in speaking, mainly with the heart, dedication and willingness to learn and to be used in the ministry. Due to the physical constraints of the pandemic, brainstorming and public speaking tips are done via a Facebook page and group chat. Currently, the Filipino International Church has two services every Sunday, morning and afternoon. A timetable is set and the presiding ministry members, who now number 21, work hand in hand to give their availabilities to cover each Sunday services as the presider. The timetable is fully covered up to the month of May, indicating an outstanding response. We move overseas now with news from Christian Aid and here's Claire. Ahead of UN Security Council meeting last month, Christian Aid declared that climate change is the world's greatest security threat. Christian Aid's climate policy lead, Dr. Kat Kramer, said, Climate change is becoming the world's most serious security threat, so it's good to see the Security Council has put the issue front and centre. Millions of the world's poorest people are already living with the impacts of climate change, which is forcing displacement, devastating livelihoods and putting pressure on communities who are competing over resources such as land and water. In some countries, these impacts become the drivers of local conflicts, which can be instrumentalised by leaders and escalate into violence and war. This threat of violence and insecurity threatens to undermine international peace and security. However, there are steps that can be taken. A recent study in Mali and Somalia shows that investment in efforts to adapt to the effects of climate change can build peace and social cohesion. It's vital that international leaders get funding directly to local NGOs, particularly women and youth who know the context best. 
In a recent UK poll, it's reported that nearly two-thirds of the respondents want poorer countries to be prioritised equally in the vaccine rollout. They say that a global COVID-19 vaccine programme should be created, which does not prioritise richer countries over poorer ones. 63% of respondents to the survey commissioned by Christian Aid said they wanted to see countries working together to create a global COVID-19 vaccine programme that would not prioritise developed countries over developing countries. Only 11% disagreed. The Savanter Comres poll also showed that 66% of those asked felt the UK government should call on pharmaceutical companies to share their COVID-19 vaccine formula so it can be rolled out faster to more people. Concern about inequalities in access to health care and vaccines has prompted a pilot partnership between Christian Aid and the Diocese of Gloucester. The Give Thanks campaign enables vaccinated people to show their thanks and desire for others to be protected by giving to Christian Aid's coronavirus appeal. The scheme is now being rolled out nationally as people show their willingness to acknowledge their good fortune. To fund effective vaccination programmes, countries in the Global South are having to make cuts in existing budgets and take on new debt to buy vaccines for their populations, putting a further burden on systems already pushed to breaking point by the pandemic and multiple factors, including the climate crisis. Christian Aid's Head of Global Advocacy and Policy, Fiona Smythe, said, Christian Aid believes that access to vaccines must not become a global postcode lottery, and these poll results send a clear message that many people across the UK share our belief that this global pandemic requires an equitable global response. While international efforts to fund vaccines in the World Health Organization's COVAX programme have been helpful, the COVAX vaccines are delayed and are not expected to reach adequate vaccine coverage in the countries where they're issued. Our best chance of all staying safe from COVID-19 is to have vaccines, tests and treatments that are available for all. Not only is it morally unacceptable to let the world's most vulnerable people continue to suffer, it's also in the interests of everyone to have the vaccine as quickly as possible. No one is safe until everyone is safe. This crisis needs governments and the big pharmaceutical companies to urgently raise their sights, to be imaginative and generous and to act for the global good and deliver tangible results fast. Christian Aid's coronavirus appeal is supporting work in 27 countries around the world to help prevent the spread of coronavirus and mitigate the worst effects of movement restrictions. This includes distributing soap to nearly 250,000 vulnerable people, providing food and hygiene packages and supporting those at risk from domestic violence. As vaccination campaigns begin, Christian Aid will provide data to local health services on hard-to-reach populations and work with trusted local people to help tackle misinformation and any stigma around COVID-19 vaccinations and treatment. Time to visit Professor Gareth now at this keyboard. And this month he's chosen to play for us Thy Hand, O God, Has Guided. Number 398 in Baptist Praise and Worship, otherwise known as Thornbury.
Thank you, Gareth. It's always a pleasure to hear that tune. Let's turn to the colleges now with Katie, and this month she starts with our college in Scotland. The website of the Scottish Baptist College says, Typically, we'd hold open days at SBC for prospective students to come and find out about the college. But this year we're taking a slightly different approach. We want to invite you to a discovery day. This will be to discover more about the college, but also we want to discover a bit more about you, your hopes and your calling. We want to talk together and discover how we can best help to develop your call. We want you to discover what we have to offer and if FBC is a good fit for you. And we want to discover what works for you and how we can help. On Wednesday, March the 24th at 2pm, we'll hold our first Discovery Day of 2021, where we'll give over some time to painting a picture of college life. But much of the time will be given over to your questions and space will be made for one-to-one or small group conversations to help you figure out how study can work for you. We expect it will be just about one and a half hours and we'll wrap up close to 3.30pm. As restrictions are still in place, we'll do this online via Zoom, which we think works well for conversation and questions. To register for more information, please email graham.michaeljohn at uws.ac.uk. On March the 18th, St Hills College in West Yorkshire will be celebrating its first anniversary as a digital college. During a year when normal was redefined, St Hild moved from a vibrant face-to-face model of student life to one where we, could, where we couldn't gather in our physical campuses in York, Murfield and Sheffield. Staff had to rework their teaching material and adapt their, de- their delivery, and everyone embraced digital learning. What a year it's been! On Tuesday the 23rd of March, the St Hild community will mark this anniversary by spending some time together in prayer and allowing the Holy Spirit to minister. On behalf of the Student Prayer Network who've organised this, Stella McHugh says, We may be physically separated, but we are still united in Christ's love and fellowship. Stella adds, The past 12 months have been differently challenging for all of us. There have have undoubtedly been good things, but also tragic and complicated things in our lives and communities. Yet throughout it all, Christ has been with us, and we've been able to learn and journey with one another as a college community. We wanted to mark all of that. On the 23rd, all St Hilde students and staff are invited to pray throughout the day, with options to join in live online prayers at 8am, 12 noon and 9pm. Content includes lead prayer, inspired by Lectio Divina, an Iona-based Agape Fellowship and an evening meditation using student art. A worksheet that lends itself to either paper craft or a prayer walk is also available. We're all well aware of the restrictions on live music at the moment. 
I was eavesdropping on a Zoom service the other week when the minister reminded the congregation that they shouldn't join in with the song, but suggested that all of us on Zoom should unmute and sing out loud so that they could have a good laugh at us. And Phil has been trawling around the net to see how some of our singers are actually coping. Luke Wareham and Rachel Mason seem to have found a way. They can't lead the congregation at the moment, but that has led to alternative success. As 2020 came to a close and we looked ahead to 2021, many of us wanted to say thank goodness for that. Maybe we can turn over the page and look ahead to something better. For others, though, 2020 turned out to be a year in which they were given the opportunity to be themselves and were given free reign to their creative side. This was the case for Luke Wareham and Rachel Mason from Clevedon Baptist Church. When they sat down on the 30th of December to write a thank you message to all those who'd helped them, encouraged them and supported them in 2020, they released their debut EP Whisper and two lockdown singles, I Will Not Fear and Glimpse. Our prayer has been that the songs would speak into everybody's life situations and it's been a really exciting year to hear stories of how God has spoken to so many of us, helping us to fix our eyes on Jesus during a tough year. That was according to Luke. Those words from John Ortberg sums up the needs for us to worship daily and why we feel such a calling to release songs of worship. He goes on to say, I need to worship because without it, I lose a sense of wonder and gratitude and plod through life with blinkers on. Well, now their EP Whispers that we featured here on Baptist Voice has been voted number one in the Louder Than Words Awards for 2020. Here's a glimpse of their work with a song called Glimpse. Jesus 
Luke Wareham and Rachel Mason have been nominated for an award in the Hollywood's Music in Media competition. And by the way, Rachel has dyed her hair shocking pink by way of celebration. Thank you, Phil. Uh, good find, those two from uh, Clevedon Baptist Church. Hopefully we'll hear some more from them in the future. And uh, the best of luck with that competition, too. Uh, let's move on to news from BMS World Mission. Here's Andrea. The BMS magazine Engage raises an interesting point in its latest magazine. They point out that this year you probably tasted for the first time what it was like to be unable to walk into a church building. But for secret believers around the world, this was nothing new. As UK Christians grappled with meeting as God's family online or in support bubbles and small groups, from Egypt and Palestine there comes a very different story. It's one of how the effects of lockdown have allowed the underground church in the Middle East to flourish. Bahia described coming to faith, God's call to return to their own people and the challenge of meeting persecution with uncompromising love. Now with the help of Zoom they have the joy of meeting at home and the miraculous freedom they have to live out their faith without fear. Bahia says, I memorised the Quran when I was 13 years old. I'm from a strong Islamic family here in Egypt. I prayed in the mosque five times a day. When I was 20, I started thinking more seriously about God, and after searching out Islam for two years, I decided to leave it forever, and I became an atheist. I went to a Count It Right conference in Egypt, with many thousands of people from Arab countries, from Europe and America. I met with two Egyptian Christian thinkers and I thought, wow, I like their minds, I like their ways, they know philosophy like me. I met with those people many times to talk about God. I also spoke with God and said, please show yourself to me. After I believed in Jesus, I started serving in my church. I told my ministers that I'd like to study theology. I couldn't study in Egypt because my ID lists me as a Muslim, but I could study at the BMS-supported theological seminary in another part of the Middle East. God has changed me completely there. All the materials, all the courses in general help us to serve Muslims in Egypt, Sudan, Syria and other countries. All the teachers understand Islam very well and understand Arab countries. I learned how to teach, how to preach, how to study the Bible well. I serve with a ministry in Egypt now, and it all started when I learnt about Zoom. We hear often on Baptist Voice of the life-saving work being done at the BMS-supported Gwynibor 2 Hospital in Chad. In Engage magazine, we read firsthand of the way their reputation of ministry is spreading. It was raining the day Al Sadil's life changed forever. His van skidded on the already treacherous roads and flipped over, knocking him unconscious for over an hour. When he woke up, he was severely injured with a broken arm and leg. But that was just the beginning of the problems he would face. Al Sadil travelled thousands of miles from his native Sudan to try and find the right treatment. Nobody could help him not even during the five months spent with traditional healers who bound his arm and his leg tightly. Many doctors told him his leg would have to be amputated. 
but one day Al Fadil spoke to his boss, who thankfully could speak from experience. My boss told me he'd had an accident too, Al Fayed explained. When he came to Guinebor too, he recovered really quickly, and that's why he told me to come here. When Al Fadil finally came to G2, everything changed. Many people in Chad still turn to traditional medicines when they're ill, which often doesn't work, and sometimes causes further damage. By coming to G2, Muhammad was able to get the right treatment he needed to help him fully recover. Thankfully, I'm feeling much better now. I'm going to tell other people that G2 is a really good hospital. I received the proper care I needed to heal and to save my leg without complications. The doctors here are really looking after me, said Al-Fadil. I thank God that by the grace of God, everything is going to be okay. Marie Jamal has diabetes and recently came to Guinebor too for treatment. She writes, Before I came here, I was so weak. I was really in a catastrophic state. I couldn't even feel anything, but now I feel myself getting better. People came to me, they prayed with me, and I've woken up. It wasn't in my own strength, that was in God's strength. I have hope in this hospital. Everyone prays. It's a blessing. Very early in the morning, the doctors, the nurses, everyone comes together to ask God's will before work. They ask God and they await his strength. Before God, I know everything is better. There's support here. If there wasn't, maybe you'd fall, but someone would be there to pick you up and say, Don't fall, don't fall. They would help you stand. That's how I started to get better, through daily prayers. The coronavirus pandemic and the impact of Cyclone Amphan back in May have devastated the livelihoods of millions in India. But despite all this, BMS mission worker Benjamin Francis has found hope with many opportunities to bring people to the word of God. Writing in Engage, Benjamin says, All of us in India are suffering with lockdown. People are dying, businesses have been destroyed, but in all of that, the Lord is working. We have been very badly hit, because the villages we work in are remote. On a normal day, they don't have adequate resources. But during the lockdown, it's much more difficult for people to get even the most basic necessities like food and medicine. We heard some disturbing stories of parents taking leaves from trees and boiling them and giving them as food to their children. It really broke my heart to hear this. But through all this, we had the opportunity to present them with hope. We were able to take food from village to village, family to family. At that point, we were not wanting to share our story or preach the gospel. We just wanted to be there to help them. But as our people were outside, people started asking, why are you doing this? Very soon understood that this is actually an open door for people to hear the gospel. So we started sharing. But as this was happening, we were hit with another calamity, Cyclone Anfam, which really devastated us in West Bengal. Houses were destroyed, villages were flooded. In the middle of all that, we were able to work with the villagers. We went out with solar lights and tarpaulins to give people shelter. And we're getting ready to repair over 150 homes and help with some of the villagers' rebuild. I want to take this opportunity to thank you for all you've been doing, blessing us as you continue to support BMS. We just want to give God praise for all of you. 
We're praying that in your own neighbourhoods, in your own churches, the door will be opened for thousands of new people to come in. Benjamin concludes, may God bless you and may you continue to grow in the kingdom of God. Christian Aid News next and Claire starts this roundup with a return visit to Lebanon. Lebanon's most vulnerable continue to bear the brunt of its economic and health crises six months after one of the largest non-nuclear explosions in history devastated its capital, Beirut. On the ground, local humanitarian and civil society groups are leading efforts to support families and rebuild livelihoods, Christian Aid has said, but the needs are immense. Some one and a half million Syrians have fled the decade-long conflict in their homeland and now live in Lebanon, the vast majority in deep poverty. Fadi Haliso is co-director of Basme and Zayone, an NGO founded in 2012 to serve Syrian refugees in Lebanon and the region, and one of Christian Aid's partners. They now found themselves helping Lebanese citizens as well as Syrian refugees. Fadi said, we are overwhelmed with requests. Recently we've received requests from an average of 10,000 families a month for food and basic hygiene items. Mothers are telling us that they're feeding their babies watered-down tea as they can't afford milk or baby formula. Many families who've been out of work for months are barely eating. They send us pictures of their empty kitchen shelves. It's heartbreaking. While we continue to help Syrian refugees, about half of those asking for assistance in recent months have been Lebanese citizens. Before, it was rare to find Lebanese families asking for help with such basic needs. Now even households who were managing before are hurting. My children aren't able to forget the sound of the explosion when they hear any sound or noise around us. Immediately they remember what happened. Even my little son Majid is now having speech problems. Deborah Hyams, Christian Aid's senior advocacy advisor on Syria, Iraq and Lebanon, said, The devastating explosion last summer has left deep scars in a country facing not only escalating COVID-19 cases, but extreme economic hardship, hyperinflation, mass unemployment and political turmoil. The situation for Majid and many families like his was already difficult. They're now bearing the brunt of Lebanon's spiralling economic and health crises, as well as struggling with the mental and physical aftermath of the August blast. We remain grateful to those who've supported our Lebanon emergency appeal. Their support has extended the difference our partners are making to many more families, but there is still extreme need. The long-term impact of the explosion, which devastated Beirut's port and destroyed grain stores, is sharply worsening living conditions for those already vulnerable in Lebanon's ongoing crisis. It requires a long-term response and continued international support focused on reaching the poorest. Amidst rising COVID-19 cases and intermittent lockdowns since the August blast, Christian Aid's partners in Lebanon continue to help the most vulnerable. Mouvement Social is providing poor families with vouchers for essential food and hygiene supplies, while Basme Zaytoune continues to distribute emergency packages, including cash, hygiene kits and food to hundreds of vulnerable households. We're doing everything we can, getting food to poor families and working with medical organisations to make oxygen therapy accessible to people suffering from COVID-19. But the roots of Lebanon's ongoing crisis are political. 
People cannot be kept under curfew indefinitely with no government support. Lebanon's government and politicians must find solutions, and that will need continued pressure from abroad, as well as greater international financial support directed to local organisations serving those in greatest need. In February, almost 250 Christian Aid supporters from across Scotland gathered online at the virtual gathering. This was a chance to hear about the amazing work of our partners and for supporters to share the innovative ways they've been fundraising this past year. Solomon Waldet Sadik, Senior Programme Officer for Christian Aid in Ethiopia, gave insight into the struggles that communities are facing. He explained that the climate crisis is causing huge challenges for families in Ethiopia, where unpredictable rains, increased temperatures and prolonged droughts are causing severe food insecurity. We heard about Christian Aid's response to the devastating desert locust outbreak in regions of Ethiopia, where vital farmlands were damaged by locusts. Through the provision of pesticides, safety kits, training and community mobilisation, we were able to protect 169,172 hectares of crop and grazing lands from the desert locust infestation. The project enabled many farmers to replace damaged crops with maize seeds and ensure food security for their families. The gathering was also an opportunity for supporters to share creative ways of raising money and awareness during 2020. Some long-established fundraising ideas were turned into virtual events. Church families came together through Keep Fit Challenges and Christian Aid Week services took place online. Greenbank Church of Scotland adapted their annual plant sale by selling plants online and delivering them by bicycle. Many supporters set up Just Giving pages to continue raising money without the risk of in-person collections. Thank you, Claire. Some bright spark will email Baptist Voice and tell us exactly, but we reckon there must be upward of 50 references in the Bible to the harp. Phil hasn't been counting them, but he has come up with a contemporary harpist playing and singing to great effect. We like to keep an ear to the ground so that you're not missing out on the latest news from the world of Christian music. Straight out of the blue, whilst enjoying an edition of Dave Bilber's Homespun series on YouTube, he introduced us to a young lady called Lucy Bunce, who sings her gospel songs whilst composing, arranging, worship leading and teaching, as well as being the director of contemporary music at St Andrew's Cherry Hinton in Cambridge. Her instrument of choice is the harp. She fell in love with the harp when someone offered her the chance to play one after she sang a solo at a school Christmas concert. And since then, she's had to look no further. She was age nine at the time. Well, like Dave Bilborough, she's written a song in support of NHS workers in this time of pandemic. Bless the hands that bless. Now with four albums to her credit, she's well established in the gospel music world where her gentle style and deeply felt lyrics are held in high regard. For us, she's singing Daily I Choose, based on Matthew 11 and Romans 5. Daily I choose, daily I choose To walk in the rhythm of grace, O Lord Daily I choose, daily I choose To work with the rhythm of grace, O Lord it free Really lightly love 
you can catch up with Lucy Bonce on YouTube and hear more of her fabulous music. But for us, it's a return to the colleges. And the latest report from Katie, it includes a foretaste of the annual Whitley Lecture. As churches increasingly seek to include people with disabilities, how disability fits into the gospel is a pressing question. Disability and sin often appear together in the Bible, which is awkward. Jesus' healing signs, as a foretaste of the saving power of the cross, only seem to make matters worse. The lecture asks whether the insights of people with disabilities might help here. Is there a way of understanding God's saving, healing work at the cross that does not equate disability with sin and that avoids people with disabilities feeling like outsiders? Luther King House and Baptists together are delighted to introduce Reverend Dr David McLachlan, who will deliver the 2021 Whitley Lecture. David trained and worked as a Baptist minister from 2003, following a career in London. He was pastor of Dormansland Baptist Church in Surrey, where he was involved for many years as a governor of Young Epilepsy, an organisation providing education, accommodation and care for young people with complex neurological conditions. More recently, David has been an associate lecturer at Spurgeon's College in London, teaching ministry students. There, he has also been researching the theology of disability since 2013, completing his PhD in 2018. The lecture draws on some of that work. To register your interest and for the viewing information and Zoom link, please contact Luther King House Registry Office. This lecture may also be available as a recording for later viewing. On, the mar on March 20th at 10am to 3.30pm, at a cost of £16.76, it's day one of a conference at Bristol Baptist College that asks the question, how can I help my church navigate change without being shipwrecked along the way? How can I help develop a small groups programme in my church? How do I pour water, not petrol, on a situation of conflict? How do I chair a church meeting without controlling the discussion? This event is part of Bristol Baptist College course called Prepare, Feed, Sustain an access level course of Christian learning designed together with the Baptist Union of Great Britain. For more information, please visit the college's website. The module is split into two teaching Saturdays. Each day has four sessions and plenty of tea and coffee breaks. We provide teas, coffees and biscuits and recommend that all attendees bring a packed lunch. There is a small car park in front of the building but no parking rest restrictions are imposed on the surrounding streets on Saturdays. Day 1 runs on 20th of March 2021. Day 2 runs on the 24th of April 2021. For news of the Spurgeons College Conference this year, contact Katie Jack on 0208 653 
k.jack@spurgeons.ac.uk There are no details yet of the conference, but as time is getting short, you might be advised to give Katie a ring as soon as possible. Sound advice, as with all of these events, it would be a good move to check out the arrangements by phone beforehand. There have been so many last-minute alterations that it would be a shame if you missed out just because you took our word for it. Ralph will be here with the small print in a few minutes after we've heard from Colin with his final round-up of regional news. What does it mean to walk with someone from poverty and desperation to a place of hope? A new contemplative study resource written by Baptist minister Keith Parr and his wife Karen encourages readers to consider just that. As well as being a rich and contemplative study resource, Where You Go, I Will Go also incorporates true stories of the challenges faced by real children around the world. All money raised through the sale of the book will support the work of charity Global Care, which works with vulnerable children in disadvantaged communities. Where You Go, I Will Go has been commended by Mark Green, London Institute for Contemporary Christianity, mission champion, author and speaker. He said, focusing on the themes of poverty and displacement in Ruth, this is a sobering, heartening, rich blend of biblical reflection, moving stories of restoration helpful prayers and personal application to life in the West. To find out more, go to www.globalcare.org.uk A new book chronicling the history of Ebenezer Baptist Church in Scarborough marks the church's 250th anniversary. To celebrate the 250th anniversary of the founding of the Baptist Church in Scarborough, 1771 to 2021, the members of Ebenezer were, during 2020, busy planning in 2021 a full year's activity including an event each month to serve the town of Scarborough. Sadly, COVID-19 prevented the fellowship from physically gathering together. Pastor Neil Douglas said, although we are disappointed that we cannot meet in person to celebrate our 250th anniversary, we felt it important to care for our local community by not meeting during the national lockdown and plan to meet and celebrate properly when it's safe to do so in the coming months. Not daunted, an online celebratory service took place on Sunday the 24th of January at which the Reverend Mary Taylor spoke and Reverend Clive Bernard, a former captain of Scarborough Rugby Union Club and now a Baptist regional minister, preached from 1 Samuel 7 to 12. Alongside the online celebration, a book has been specially written for the anniversary, titled Ebenezer. It spans 250 years of history, from its founding in 1771 by William Haig to the present day. Penned locally by a church member, it's a fascinating true story of struggle, hardship and faithful determination of those past and present, who have trusted Jesus and continue to share with the community his good news. Meticulously researched, it explores an era when Baptist or nonconformist Christians met scorn as they desired to worship 
Jesus free from the restraints of established church and government. It also examines the worldwide impact of the church and how its members took the good news of the gospel from Scarborough to America, India, China and Africa. Author Sam Cowgill added, It's a book to inspire and encourage. It makes an ideal present for loved ones, a keepsake for the children, a collector's item, or just to enjoy as a good read. The book costs £7 and copies are available to order via Ebenezer Baptist Church, Columbus Ravine, Scarborough, postcode Y012 7QZ. Thank you, Colin, and it'll be time to hear from Stephen, our chaplain, in a little while, straight after Ralph has taken us through the small print. As well as the tapes or CDs or memory sticks supplied free to qualified members, Baptist Voice is available online at www.baptistvoice.co.uk or as a podcast from iTunes for you to download and keep. Now, if you know of anyone who is visually impaired and would appreciate a copy of Baptist Voice, Oh, you can contact us at baptistvoice13 at gmail.com or write to us at Baptist Voice Care of Greenfield Church, Ermston, Manchester, M410TY. Baptist Voice is sponsored by the North West Baptist Association and all the items included are either in the public domain or reproduced with the copyright holder's permission. If we've missed a copyright notice somewhere along the line, let us know and we will remove the offending item immediately. And the next edition of Baptist Voice will take the form of an Easter reflection, compiled especially for us by Glenn Marshall, the co-principal of the Northern Baptist College. Rounding off this edition, though, we hear from Stephen, our chaplain, and he's sharing his thoughts on the passing of Lent. Hello. I hope you and those you love are safe and well. How's Lent going for you? Did you give anything up? Did you start anything new? And are you managing to stick to it? Quite a few people, especially on social media, have said that they're not giving up anything for Lent this year because, well, we've already had to give up so much and they're blown if they're going to sacrifice even more stuff that they like. And I can sort of see their point. In a sense, it feels like we've been in a year-long Lent ever since this whole crisis began. We've been asked to give up so much. Going outside, being with people we love, being with our brothers and sisters at church. And those pleasures that, while they're small, add up to so much in our lives. We began the first lockdown in Lent. And although we've celebrated Easter since then... It still feels like Lent in many ways. But now, now we see hopeful signs. The vaccine programme is having a massive positive effect on just about everything to do with the spread of this disease. I hope you've had yours if you've been offered it. Numbers seem to be moving dramatically in the right direction. And we've now got this roadmap from the government. It's cautious, and rightly so, I think, but it gives such hope that we might finally be emerging from this long, arduous Covid Lent. Because that's the thing about Lent. Yes, it can be difficult, painful perhaps, it requires discipline from us, and it goes on so long, much longer than Advent. But Lent, 
leads us to Easter. And Easter means salvation and life. Through the death and resurrection of Jesus, the burdens we've carried are taken from us. The sins and hurts and scars that we've become aware of during Lent are taken up by Jesus himself. And we're given life through his life. As he rises from the dead and as new creation flows from that empty tomb, we too are swept along by his new life, finding healing, wholeness, relief and freedom. All the things that we've longed for, especially over this last year. And this is a done deal. Unlike the government's roadmap, which necessarily has to be provisional, with caveats and dates penciled in and all the rest of it, this salvation and life are sure and certain, fixed for us because of what God has done in Jesus. They are ours to receive, even as we still trudge through this long Lent. And because of the faithfulness of God, who holds us and will never let us go, they can't be taken from us, not by Covid nor anything else. They are ours through him. We've lived through a long Lent, and many of us will have experienced Good Friday moments too. People we love who've died, our own experiences of being ill with Covid, those of us who are still suffering its effects, the so-called long Covid. But Lent and Good Friday lead us to Easter Sunday. Pain and death through Jesus lead not to destruction but to life, eternal life, life that belongs to and comes from God. As we continue through this season of Lent, as we approach what we hope is the end of this long Covid Lent, may we all know the hope that Jesus is leading us to, the new life that comes through him. Let us pray together. Living Lord Jesus, the things we've been through during this long Lent, pain, separation, loss, suffering and death, they're not unknown to you. You have been through them all. Indeed, you took them on willingly in obedience to your Father in order to bring us salvation. But in doing so, you broke their power to rob us of life and you rose again, making that life available to us all. Thank you that Lent leads to Easter, that even in the suffering of Good Friday we find salvation, and that on that great day itself we find indestructible life. And thank you that these are available to us now, and will one day be completely fulfilled for us and for those that we love. We hold those people before you now, wherever they are, whatever they're going through. May your hope, your salvation and your life come upon them and set them free. And may we be renewed in your hope, salvation and life, so that we can face the rest of the Lenten season and this long Lent of Covid and find you in the midst of it, holding out your salvation and life to us once more. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, 
and of the Holy Spirit we pray. Amen. Amen.